Okay, people, my next guest on Just for Sport is Dexter Henry. We go back to our University of Pittsburgh days, but he's a Brooklyn, New York native, and he's back in New York working in sports and weather. He found a way to combine them as a weather news field reporter for AccuWeather, but he never stopped being involved in sports. Before going into weather, he covered the Knicks, Nets, Jets, Mets, all of his favorite New York teams. But he also started his own production company, Backpack Broadcasting, where he does a podcast, Ain't Hard to Tell, Sideline Stories, and he also does the Sports Walk. Dexter Henry is my next guest on Just for Sport in three, two, one. All right, Dexter, look, you know it's been too long for us to get together like this. 10 years, 10 years, my man. Yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a long time. I'm just glad, I'm glad to be here and people should know uh, you're like my biggest mentor. And so I, I, <laughs> I owe a lot in my career to you. So people should know, man, Jim, okay, we go way back. And uh, as, as he said, and um, yeah, man, just, just glad to finally get this done. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, it's like, you know, for so long, uh, it has, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what you're doing with Ain't Too Hard to Tell. Did I say it right? Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Ain't Hard yeah. to Tell. I always say uh, Ain't Too Hard to Tell because I'm thinking of the song. Ain't <laughs> Hard to Tell. Um, and, and what you're doing with Sideline Stories. And uh, I, I think it's uh, backpack broadcasting overall since 2010. Yes. It's something that I'm, I'm very proud of you for. Um, and before we talk about that, uh, because what I have noticed with mm-hmm. your podcast, you have not just covered sports and with your stories, but you cover what's going on in the world, in news, pop culture, weather, and your current job in AccuWeather. Yep. Let's start with the civil unrest. Uh, what have, has that experience been for you? And first and foremost, it's been quite different because we're also mixing that with COVID-19. Yeah. And the pandemic and just everything is converging together. Just your initial thoughts uh, on how you are handling it and what you see going on out there. I mean, I think in, in terms of handling it, Jamoke, I think, you know, especially as a black man in America, you know, we're, there's un, un, no doubt that we're all affected by this. Um, you know, even the previous week was a tough week for me. I feel like just be feeling motivated and wanting to do work with everything that's going on. I think you start questioning yourself, am I doing enough? Am I, am I doing more? And, and um, I think that's the thing I'm trying to push myself now too. And I think everybody should is not to be complacent, uh, demand more of people to be better. And look, I'll be blunt about it. What we're talking about, we're demanding white people to be better, <laughs> be better white people. Don't, you don't have to be racist. We all should be better people to marginalize folks. But in terms of this with racism, it's really that. But I think it's just been doing a lot of reflecting about things I've gone through, my career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've experienced stuff that I think has been around racism in sports journalism and journalism period. And just how can I do more? So you mentioned having a podcast, okay? And we both do and having a platform, speaking on certain issues, having discussions like these, making sure that we are talking about what's going on in the world because we won't just stick to sports. They, these things are intertwined. Uh, there's no way we can get aw- away from it or around it. And um, I think that's it. It's just it's speaking up, uh, demanding more of your employers, um, holding them accountable when they say they stand with Black Lives Matter and they stand with Black people. And um, that's something that I've, I've challenged myself to do and others to do and just having these conversations and making sure that, you know, we're talking about this and holding people accountable. As so many people in the sports world have done recently, which I'm absolutely loving. So we, we have to hold people accountable. And um we have to better. It's a new day, man. It's a new day, mm-hmm. time. And I don't think a lot of people are going to settle for the nonsense that was going on before. Why do you think that sports has been at the forefront of wanting change? And not just now. We can go all the way back to the Olympics, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. holding your fist up. Um, that sports has kind of been at the forefront. Muhammad Ali, you know, all the way to today, like LeBron James, NBA, uh, Colin Kaepernick, NFL, has always been the one to speak up. Uh, Why do you think that is? And if this is a new day, are there any voices that you haven't heard that you want to hear that will help signify that it's a new day? 
So for the first part, I think why sports has always been at the forefront and you look at it as sports is always for a lot of minorities in this country and marginalized groups has been a way out and people had to fight their way just to get into those spaces. So I think it, it never was lost upon people like Muhammad Ali, um, like Jackie Robinson, like Kurt Flood, that they always had to fight for something more like Colin Kaepernick. Um, so I think that's never been lost on a lot of the athletes. I think there was a time where people didn't know how they could be vocal about it or active. We kind of maybe lost our way, so to say, with that. And now I think there's a resurgence in that. And I, I was interviewing somebody yesterday for a story I was working on, and they made this great point to me that I thought was good. I was asking about the youth and how do you think the younger people are changing towards this. And this person said, hey, I think a lot of this has to do with what we've seen in this last generation of athletes, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Serena Williams. We've seen these athletes speak up. So now these kids growing up, especially black and brown kids in America, they're looking at it like, all right, being socially active and speaking out against injustice is what you're supposed to do. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's a great point that person made. And the second part of your question, Jamoke, what'd you ask me? You asked me, uh, is there a voice that you're not hearing? And the mm. thing, the reason why I bring that up and is because, you know, I feel like right after the last dance, Michael Jordan got, uh, not, it wasn't bad press, but everyone noticed that, Hey, you weren't really speaking up when you were a player and you were really at the height of your power as a player. And now here he is donating a hundred million dollars, you know, on behalf of his Jordan brand to help minorities. You know, I'm wondering if there are other voices out there that you want to hear from that you haven't, or is Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, Russell Westbrook, this is the beginning of where players are going to speak out. I think it's a, it's a great beginning and great start, right? In terms of the voices I might want to hear from, I think Jordan stepping up in this way and maybe ways we didn't see him before is great. And it's, it should be celebrated. And that's a really good thing. Um, I think that, you know, there are many different ways to join this movement, this revolution, if you want to call it that. And some people are going to do it with money. Some people are going to do it with their voice. I'm a believer of like, I want to see people speak and be active, but I understand everybody doesn't feel like they have the right thing to say, or everybody maybe isn't the best person to speak on certain matters, you know? So I think you have to find your way that you could have a voice. It could be through whatever platform you have. It could be whatever you do, but I don't think being silent is an option or an answer right now, right? Mm -hmm. You have to find a way to speak. Some, for some people, like I said, it might be donating money. I think what Jordan did is a really good first step um, towards that. And I think he's probably felt some of the weight of not having spoken in the past before. But hey, better late than never. And yeah. this is what he's choosing to do. And maybe he will inspire other peers of his generation to now step forward. And I think it's not just about the young people, um, people younger than me or you, but people older than us who can even say, hey, you know what? I can be part of this too now. Mm -hmm. So, but I think if you had to answer your question, the people I really want to hear from on this in terms of sports is white athletes. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit more. Um, we're starting Drew to see some- tried. He said the wrong, he said the wrong stuff and yeah. rightfully got called out for it. Um, and you know, we also have to give Drew Brees the room to uh, grow into this because for some white folks that maybe aren't educated uh, about what black people have gone through sadly in this country, it's going to take some time. It's going to be a little bit of a healing process for them. The white folks that want to try to get this right. And there are a lot of good white people out there that want to try to get this right and be better allies. Um, but I think in the sports world, we haven't seen enough prominent white athletes speak up. So when Aaron Rodgers responded to Drew Brees, that meant something. That meant a lot. We've seen stuff from, um, you know, uh, Chris Long and Howie Long. And we, we've, we've seen some of these, these things, uh, Carson Wentz. Those things matter. And I think as more white athletes speak up, especially in sports where it is maybe a little bit more white dominant, like hockey, mm -hmm. and they support the black players and the marginalized players, that's going to, I think, going to have a huge mm -hmm. impact. So that's what I want to see going forward. More white players, more people using their privilege and their power to speak up and stand with marginalized communities. Yeah. And speaking of hockey, I know that Braden Holtby uh, from the Washington Capitals spoke out about it and talked about the Woodrow Wilson Bridge being a bridge mm -hmm. that everyone crosses. And Woodrow Wilson was a racist in many ways. And we don't even think about the fact that a bridge is named after him and having to cross it every day, um, which, which, in itself, the metaphor of a bridge is right. interesting that it's Wilson. But the other thing that I think about is a, a, a old age proverb, action speaks louder than words. Mm -hmm. Everybody can put out a statement, companies, individuals, no matter what level, whether you're a star or everyday person, 
you can put out a, a statement or say something, but it's the actions that I want to see six months from now, a year from now, 18 months from now that you see if there's a market difference in the way that, that minorities are being treated, not just by police, because we're talking about social injustice and, and inequities in, in life, in the real world with jobs. Mm -hmm. so it's bigger than just police brutality. That's what I want to see. And I hope that as you talked about black and the white athletes and, 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 and outside of sports, everyone is starting to say, okay, what can we actually do to help? That a donation's good. Next step is hiring a minority, helping a minority business grow and, and learn and giving them a shot. And, and I, I asked this one question of you because I think it was shot down quickly. Mm -hmm. But the NFL said, hey, we want to attach minority hires to draft picks. Would you take it back and wish that they would move forward with that, even though I know it was roundly booed when they first did it, but that was a step. Yeah, see, I, 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 didn't, love, I didn't love it because I thought you were incentivizing. I didn't know if there was really honesty behind it. And maybe some of that comes from, okay, now I'm thinking about it as, as I'm saying that you asked me the question is maybe some of that came from, let's just be blunt, nobody, people didn't trust the NFL. And I understand why people don't trust the NFL. I'm be, I don't trust the NFL. I think it's why when you see the recent statements by Goodell, you're kind of like, eh, I don't know how sincere they are there. It doesn't, I think them starting that for a conversation, I hear your point, right? Like it's a start to actually have that conversation. I think there has to be real action towards hiring minority candidates that are really good out there. Like Eric Bieniemy on Kansas City, who's the offensive coordinator. And it's crazy that he hasn't even got jobs or interviews mm -hmm. as he should have. I think attaching draft picks kind of lets, lets the people in power a little bit off the hook. And it's kind of saying, hey, we incentivized this for you to do this. So the only way you can do this is if we give you a draft pick with it. And I do think there's, I understand why people boot it. I also understand why some people think, I think it was a good conversation starter. I don't, I haven't thought exactly what the answer is. I didn't love it as the final solution. Um, because I think as minorities, uh, I just had a guest in my podcast who said this, and I think she's right about this, is that we sometimes can uplift the majority race uh, in terms of, the, the, and their privilege and their power in terms of, oh, you did this and, and this is great. And we kind of applaud them for this. Or, you know, we might do this podcast and be like, hey, you know, two black people have their own platform or podcast. And it's like, the fact that we're celebrating that is problematic in itself, right? Mm -hmm. Because, but what we're saying is we haven't had these opportunities. And um, I, I think And by that, the way, I might add, we're making yeah. our own opportunities. Too. Yes, which is more of what should be highlighted that. So I don't mean to like bring our podcast to, to that situation or our podcast, but I normally see this when people are on other platforms that are, you know, kind of dominated by one certain kind of people. And then when you get into that certain space, it's like, hey, we're the only two black people on this network. And it's like, you know, the problem is that today, in 2020, you're saying that th this is the case. So I think um, the NFL, it was a good discussion. I like that they had it. I love the public pressure that was around it. And I think following what's going on now, Jamoke, the NFL needs to have more discussions about what they're going to do to actually, you know, have minority hired. I think it starts with changing the thinking. It goes to the point you made, right? There has to actually be action. Incentivizing people is cool to some degree. But if, they, if you don't change the mindset in thinking that, hey, we need more diverse hires, we need more black men and women in here, we need more people from the LGBTQ plus community in here, right? We need diverse hires, we need more Latino people, more Asian people. If you can actually have that mindset, then you're going to have better front offices. Mm -hmm. If you have that mindset, you're gonna have better media companies. Mm -hmm. If you just think that, and, and maybe incentivizing does change people to think that. And there's a point where we don't need that anymore, maybe. But I think we really have to, it really has to change minds, attitude. It's about understanding history and context and why things are the way they are and how we can move forward. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think that, you know, hey, they've always said America. I live in D.C., the nation's capital. It's a melting pot. This is mm -hmm. a melting pot. And it's companies should be representative of the culture and the people that are in it. And, you know, in many ways that there are a lot more interracial couples, as you know, you mentioned the LGBTQ community. Yep. Like it, it's as a whole, it's different from what it was in 1950 and 60s. 
And yet, in some ways, it's not, because everybody's comparing what's happening today to 1968 riots. And, you know, it's interesting how history repeats itself. And here we are repeating itself uh, with having to say that, you know, minorities are standing up for themselves and we're not going to take it anymore, so to speak. Well, um, the, the, point, the point you make there, Jamoka, is good too, right? Because you're saying that things almost aren't different than they were in the 50s and 60s. And a lot of that's because the places where we work the establishments don't actually reflect American culture. So a lot of us, we've worked in newsrooms and places, and it's like it doesn't even reflect the population of where you live. We saw what just happened in Pittsburgh with this young woman who unfairly is being targeted for, you know, some of the reporting that she's done. I think it's unfair. And mm -hmm. the population in Pittsburgh is 23% Black, but at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, only 10% of the people that work there are Black. So mm -hmm. those are problems when it doesn't even reflect the communities you serve, and we, we have to change that. Yeah. And I also think that that does go into sports. If you look at, you know, some of the sports that are dominated more by uh, African-Americans, you talked about it on your podcast about, mm -hmm. you know, the Latino players uh, that are populating baseball, African-Americans populating uh, basketball and football. But do you see the representation in the front office and the people covering those sports? is not representative of the people playing those sports in terms of the ratio of, of the uh, ethnicity groups is, you know, something that you'd like to see change. And, and maybe it will over time. Maybe this is the beginning of it. Um, yeah. uh, as we switch gears, let's talk about what you're doing now, which is working for AccuWeather. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because you found a niche where it's not just weather, but it's kind of like sports and weather. And the only place you ever really got that was on the NFL pregame shows, maybe because they played outside. But I love how you're telling unique stories, but also doing general assignment reporting on weather. What has uh, this pandemic done to change how you've had to do reporting? And how much are you looking forward to sports coming back and trying to tell different stories with weather and sports? Yeah, so the pandemic changed a lot of what I've done with reporting, right? Because, you know, Scott, even now we're doing this podcast, we, a lot of my work is via Zoom or Skype and interviewing people. It, it's forced me to be a little bit more creative too, right? In terms of finding footage and reaching out. And, and I, I've done a couple sports and weather stories. Um, one I did with uh, Ajay Wilson, um, you know, track runner about how she was dealing with training still during COVID-19. So there's actually been ways to incorporate COVID with it, but I just think it's forced me to be more creative. In this weird way though, I feel like, and we'll get to this later with other independent stuff I'm doing, but I feel like it's actually opened up a lot more access towards some athletes or people that you might not have during a normal time because people are home and they might be willing to talk to you on Skype and Zoom and, and, and so doing that. But it's a lot of it has been about COVID, weather and COVID and tying that in. And there's a lot of impacts with that in ways that you might not even think about, even as we still are in this age of COVID, right? With the weather getting warmer, people are getting tired of wearing their mask with the heat. Can we find cooler masks? Um, how are cooling centers gonna work in cities? That's something I'm gonna be talking about as well too. So there's been all these things to, to think about and be a little bit more creative about. And on the sports side, just doing it the last two years and doing sports stuff, it's been fun because I think weather impacts outdoor sports a lot more than people realize. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had these opportunities to do some really cool stories, whether it was down with LSU last year, and then they won the national championship about how they have these little cooling uh, centers that they have on their practice field to cool their players down. And it was, yeah. it was hot. But down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on a hundred and eight yeah. degree, almost feel like day. Um, doing stuff with NASCAR and how weather affects that. And there's just so much that weather affects Jamoke in, in sports. So I think these stories are always popping up and there's so much more I want to do that we probably don't even think of. Yeah. Um, but it's been fun. It's been fun tying in my passion of sports with the weather. It's been totally fun. It's probably the number one topic on almost everyone's mind is really weather. What's the weather going to be like today? It's the first thing people talk about all the time. And if there's ever a storm or breaking news, like sports is not getting a, a, a whole news show. It's just <laughs> not. But weather potentially right. can almost all the time when, when it's worthy. Um, what, what, what do you have on tap? Uh, when you think about, because you mentioned the access that you have to more people through Zoom. And uh, do you almost feel like it's going to be weird as things start to open back up and you're going out in the field? It's almost like I've come, you've become accustomed to this new norm that it's easier and you can crank out more stories this way. 
What, what, yeah. what are your thoughts? It's funny because it's funny you bring that up because I think about what was it about almost two weeks ago now, right before Memorial Day weekend, I just it was the first time I really went back out to do a story and it was talking about the state beaches opening up here in New York. And it was weird because I had to get back into my rhythm of how I did my stories <laughs> and talking to people and then knowing you have to socially distance. There's a whole way you'd approach people that you can't really do now. And you know, <laughs> I'm in New York City and people are always kind of like, you know, get, get away from me and not, you know, don't want you to approach them a certain way. So yeah, it is different because, you know, now there are things I still love. And, you know, you know this too, Jamoke, going out and just producing a story and talking to people and when you do it from home, there is something lost with that. I, I do think there's, I want to be clear about that. There's something lost with that. You have the immediacy at home where you might be able to turn something around a little bit quicker, but there is something to going out. But I think now it's about how you adjust to that. Um, I just did another story the other day where they've been closing off some streets here in New York to give people more open space to go out and enjoy the weather here during um, the, the, the pandemic. And, you know, I had to go and talk to people and I could still see how people are still kind of resistant and distant and you have a mask on and you're talking to people with mask on. So it's good to start getting back out. It really is. Um, but at the same time, I think it's going to be an adjustment. And I wonder how much people now are going to say going forward to answer your question. They might say, Hey, well, I was going to come to do this interview with you, but they're like, no, maybe now we'll just do it like this. We'll do yeah. it via, via yeah. Skype. And um, it is, it is, does make your job easier in some ways for certain things, but um you know, I do think there's something lost if you're not there in the moment to see and mm -hmm. talk to people about how things are. So it's going to be interesting going forward. It's really going yeah. to be interesting. It's been a big loss for all of us to not have sports. You yeah. work for the New York Post, the Giants, SB Nations, Nets Daily. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and obviously we'll get into what you're doing with Backpack Broadcasting. But golf is returning. As we're recording this, we're, I record the, this on Wednesday. Golf starts tomorrow, Thursday, and then this will come out on Friday. Uh, but it's kind of like the beginning of sports returning. We've got the NBA at the end of July, MLS July 8th, and they're both at Walt Disney World. I'm like, man, I didn't think Walt Disney World was that big to accommodate two professional sports teams and, you know, almost, almost half of their teams playing in a tournament. Uh, but then NHL doesn't have a date in, in plan, but, you know, at least they want to have this 2014 round-robin playoff thing going. Uh, what are you most looking forward to seeing return? And is any sport better than no sport of the major sports in whatever format they're going to give you, you're going to watch? Yeah, I I'm probably going to watch <laughs> whatever <laughs> they throw out there for me. Um, you know, I mean, and for the, the two sports where they already started seasons at NBA and NHL, they were pretty much going towards the playoffs. Um, you know, you kind of, with those, you really have to take what you can get. Now, I'm a big NBA junkie, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up a diehard New York Knicks fan. That's a whole other form of abuse. We shouldn't <laughs> even talk about. But, so I'm excited to see the NBA back. I can't wait. But if I'm being honest, Jamoke, part of me still felt like, ah, man, is this too soon? You know, I have real mm -hmm. concerns about, and all this stuff, you know, players and testing and, how that's going to go. And then you talked about being in, at Disney World, at the wild world of, wide world of sports, the complex that they have there, which is huge. Yeah. I mean, Disney, Disney World is like a, a city within Orlando in itself. Yeah, right? I didn't, I didn't, I've only been there once. I didn't realize uh, how big it is to be able to have all, like two, two leagues. And I, I feel like at one point, baseball was even thinking about Florida. If you think about, if you think about, and you've spent some time around the theme parks and where the wild world of sports is its own thing, these theme parks are so huge, <laughs> the amount of yeah. acres that they are. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And I haven't been to Wild World of Sports, but like I've, when I've seen these aerial views of it, these drone shots, yeah. they're like, you're like, man, like I could get lost there. So, you know, I mean, I think things will be controlled, but there's a lot of questions for players, right, with the NBA. How teams can only bring 35 players. And there's more details that are going to come out. It's like, yeah. uh, family, what members of staff do you take? Do you take advanced scouts? Do you not take team psychologists? Like, what do we do? I just wonder what happens if a player gets sick. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really concerned just outside of sports to make it for the whole country because are we trying to return to things a little bit too soon? Are we not learning from the 1918 pandemic Spanish flu um, where we had a second wave? You know, there's such a rush to get back and have sports, but I think we have to be as safe as possible. And I know these leagues are looking to be as safe as possible, 
Mm-hmm. I just wonder, you know, do we have this stuff under control? Am I going to watch? Hell yeah, I'm going to watch. <laughs> um, you know, I love the NBA. I want to see a champion crowned. Um, you know, I, I can't, I'm going to be excited to see more basketball. So it's just going to be weird without fans, though, Jamoke. It's going to be so weird yeah. with no fans. Yeah. But look, we'll take it. It's basketball. Yeah. I, and, and I mean, that's the thing is I go back and forth because, you know, I, uh, in, the, in the past two podcasts, I've talked about how sports, you know, has a, a, a way of healing the country, of bringing people together yeah. from different races, races, socioeconomic backgrounds. But that's the thing is like nobody's coming together for this. You're just watching it on a television. And so it is a bit different. And I guess then all we're talking about is, hey, you want something to take your mind off of what's going on in the world. Okay. Here's sports. Because in the end, if fans can't be there, this is just about money. And I understand that the leagues, the players, the team owners, you know, people who work the concessions, employees, everybody can be affected. If sports say, Hey, we're not coming back till there's an actual uh, cure for COVID-19 because we don't want anybody to get it. I guess I also think about if someone does get it, are they going to shut down? Because here's the thing. It's one thing if the 15th man on the bench gets COVID-19, ah, okay, we'll go to 14. All right, Los Angeles Lakers, how are you going to do when LeBron, LeBron James gets it? Houston Rockets, James Harden gets it. Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving gets it. And, you know, I just call out stars. You know, it's just like, that's where you'll really know if it, it, if it can survive this pandemic in a way that we feel like we didn't come back too soon. Yeah, I mean, I think the point you make there is you'll know then if it's really about the people and the money. And, let's, and I don't think we're being insensitive or disingenuous by what you said, which is like, if it's a 15th guy, everybody's going to be like, eh. And, 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 that's, and we should care about the 15th guy. Like, I, care about, I yeah. care about the 15th guy, the, the two-way player on the roster, his health, as much as I care about LeBron James. Mm-hmm. But from a business standpoint, it doesn't. I think you made a, brought up this good point, too, which is, is this really about money and the return? And I think the answer is yes. In America, it's always about money, right? Always. There's, always, there's these TV contracts to fulfill. There's a lot up in the air with the NBA, even on NHL, too, with CBAs and all this stuff. So it's always going to be about money. I, and I think that's kind of the problem here a little bit in this country is, are we concerned too much about the money more than the health of people? And my concern is you're going to have all these tests for these players. Is that taking away from people in, in communities, whether it's in Orlando or wherever, that actually need tests? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so you know what, for me, to be honest, as much as I love sports, Jamoke, and you know we do, yeah. you know, the health of the country and people has always been more paramount to me at, at this time. And you know, if that meant, I was fine with that. If that meant us staying away from sports a little bit longer, I was honestly okay with that. I'd miss it. But we've got to get right as a country first before we open things up back too soon. Because we're seeing in certain states where they open things back up too soon, we see how those numbers are still going back up. Yeah. It's, it's, that, that's the other concern is especially when you look at the protests that you may see a spike in the numbers. And there have been, I know Malcolm Brogdon, you know, yep. he, he actually was in the protest. You know, when you think mm-hmm. about some of the NBA players uh, coming out there, and I know he wasn't the only one, but they've been around a lot of people. And then now you got to put him in a bubble for two weeks before he can then go into the NBA bubble. There's, there's just a lot at stake. And, and we're only talking about the NBA, not even MLS. And, you know, what is MLB going to do if the players and the owners – Uh, can't come to an agreement on a number of games and money and you know it's just there's just so much at stake and as you talked about I hope that the small businesses the mom and pop businesses who also are losing money and not able to open their business that we're not losing sight of they are also struggling as well and may need tests or may need to have a solution that allows them to open their business back up properly. In some states, some cities have been, but it's not, you know, nationwide. Um, right. and, and as you mentioned, that's the tough part. Um, okay, if you could only have one sport, mm-hmm. I feel like you're going to say basketball. Probably. That would be yeah. the one sport that you'd only want to come back if it was only one. Yeah, if it was only one to come back, selfishly, it would be basketball. I, 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 will, add a, I will add a very close number two for me, and it is – 
soccer and soccer in, in the Premier League because my Liverpool Reds were so close <laughs> to finishing and winning the title, the regular season title. I think they'll come back and they still will. But I want to see that comeback too because I wanted to see them get the, the championship this year. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that was a close second. But basketball, yeah, basketball definitely. Just FYI, I, I, Chelsea's my team. Oh, you're a Chelsea? I didn't know. I We're feel like I didn't up. know that. Because my first match. Okay, so here's a story if you don't remember. Uh, 2004, five, Chelsea played a uh, friendly against AS Roma at Heinz Field when I was still uh, at Pitt. Uh, and I had never seen English Premier League soccer. I remember, you going, I remember you going to that. I do remember yeah, you going to that. I know okay. they are on the EPL team. Yep. It was Didier Drogba's first game. That, yeah, ah. And I was like, Africa, Ivory Coast. And I just loved the excitement, electricity around him being on the pitch for the first time. And my brothers, they love a bunch of other, uh, I think, uh, Man City and Man Ugh. U. Ugh. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, we have no love for them there. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, you know what? I was like, I want my own team. And I was like, this is my team. And I've been a Chelsea fan ever since. I'm fine with that. I'm, I have no problem. You're not with Man City and Man U, so I'm, I'm generally okay. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, but, uh, okay, so that's your close second is soccer. Soccer, yeah. yeah. Close second. And the thing is, I think we cannot have to add football to that equation because they were almost the luckiest. They're the biggest sport. They make the yeah. most amount of money. Mm -hmm. But because, you know, it was well after the Super Bowl before it really hit, and if they come, if they get rid of a couple of preseason games, shorten training camp, push training camp back, they can maybe start in, you know, November if they wanted to, you know, maybe go a little bit later in the season, have Super Bowl, you know, because there is always the two weeks, okay, so you can take away the Pro Bowl, get rid of that middle week that some years they have, some years they don't have yeah. in between the Pro Bowl and Super Bowl, and you maybe can get back on track. And also that allows you to see if, as they talked about with the pandemic, if it maybe is going to come back and have a spike in the fall. And see, now I'm, the NFL can, can handle that. I'm very intrigued as to how patient football will be because the people I talk to um, around it, and I recently had Kimberly Martin from ESPN on my podcast, and she said she thinks it's going to come back. And she thinks it's going to come back on time. Mm -hmm. It's wow. just a matter of, yeah. And I, I was kind of a little, a little shocked by that. And I think it's a matter of, well, is it going to be fans or it's not going to be fans? I don't think there'll be fans, but the fact that she thinks and the other people I've talked to around the NFL thinks the NFL is going to come back on time is interesting. I just think the NFL is fascinating because of the amount of players and staff that you have around the NFL team. Mm -hmm. How do you limit that within even these stadiums? There's a lot of staff on the NFL team. Yeah. I don't even know yeah. if the average fan, you know this, Jamoke, I don't know if the average fan realizes that, but how you regulate that 53-man rosters? Yeah. Ooh, that's a lot, man. Okay, for any fans out there, here's the thing. With the NBA, when we traveled, we travel with two buses, all mm -hmm. right? NFL travels with six buses on the travel team. That's a lot of people, and that's traveling. That's not home games. Yep. So there are a lot more people that are involved with the NFL than the NBA, and I think what they will do is look at what's happening, how the NBA and NHL, MLS, MLB are handling it, and they will adjust accordingly and make whatever the things they have to do. Here's my key, though. Will Colin Kaepernick be on a roster when the season starts? I hope so. I've been wanting, well, I've been wanting that for years. And, um, you know, I, I, would, I would love that. I mean, I, That's I would love That's action it. speaks louder than words. It is, because it's not enough to, for the NFL to just say they're sorry. I, I do think they owe Colin Kaepernick an apology, although I understand legally why that won't happen because of the settlement that mm -hmm. they had and everything. So I understand that. But and that would be a great action for somebody to sign him. It's, it's an injustice that he hasn't been signed, but it shows you a lot. You know what? I'd like these owners, they need to answer for this and why they haven't signed. I mean, we all, we all know the reason. We know why he wasn't signed. But this man deserves to be on an NFL roster. Uh, years of his prime of his career have been, you know, I won't say wasted because he's been doing other good work, but um, he ha we haven't seen him on the football field. So I think ooh, that would speak strong action if somebody signed him. Um, and there are teams that can still use a quarterback, as we know. New England Patriots, they don't believe in their real quarterbacks. Cam Newton's still out there, not signed. Uh, the Chargers. So there's some teams that could absolutely use him. And I mean, what better story would there be than to see Colin Kaepernick coming back, leading some teams to the playoffs? 
It'd be yeah. crazy. It'd be crazy if he's the Patriots side. Yeah. That would be insane. That would... <laughs> I don't know how that goes over up there in New England, yeah. but that that would be insane. But yeah, man, that would really show some action. I agree. Yeah. And and I think that even if you're like, oh, well, he's got rust. Heck, there have been players. I, I can't remember. Is, is it Josh Johnson that was with Washington? That was signed by the Washington Redskins last year. Yeah. And played for like 2011. So it's okay. It was only three years. Colin Kaepernick still got game. He still got game. Agreed. Agreed. Um, let's talk about your your game in in production, backpack broadcasting. I am uh, really impressed and amazed that not only did you start it in 2010, but it's still going strong today. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, your podcast. You've had Howard Beck on, Bomani Jones was on there. You know, Frank Isola, we talked on the phone the other day about him coming on your podcast. You've had a lot of different guests. How much have you enjoyed doing the podcast? Ain't too hard to tell what you can get on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, see it on YouTube. Uh, how much have you enjoyed it? And please tell me, you pop some champagne when you're like, wow, it's been a decade. Yeah. So, you know, I thought about that the other day. Uh, November 2nd. I believe of this year will be 10 years since I started backpack broadcasting and what listeners and watch viewers should know. Jamoke is super integral in that happening <laughs> because I spoke with Jamoke. I think this was in 2010 or 2009. And I talked to him and he, he, Jamoke said, he said these words to me, he said, you should start something of your own, um, something around backpack journalism. And that was kind of the seeds for it. And the reason Jamoke was telling me that so listeners would know is I was trying to find opportunities to do things on camera, to do storytelling in the sports world. And I did, and I started doing that and how it started. If you look back to early videos, which I look back and like, I think they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we all do that. Yeah, like, like when we look back at some of our stuff from that pit, like, oh, like, oh, man, oh man, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, so I was doing this and I was covering a lot of high school basketball in New York and, and some stuff around sports leagues. And, and the thanks to people at these, some of these uh, teams, the Giants, the Jets, the Knicks, the Nets in New York who gave me opportunities to do reporting around that. And um, where it's evolved to now, 10 years later, into doing a podcast, um, which I started three years ago, my co-host Brian Fonseca, and it was his idea. Um, it's just always evolved into different things. And the podcast is just fun, man. Like, I never thought three years ago I was going to do a podcast. Uh, I know you just started your podcast. You probably didn't think three years ago you were going to do a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just, it's a good way to talk about sports and, and have an outlet that can be accessible to a lot of people and connect with audiences that, you know, you want to connect with. And I think the, the best thing I love about my podcast is we've had a diverse array of guests. Uh, we've given opportunities to a lot of other young sports journalists up and coming, a lot of women, um, women of color in particular, who've come on, on my podcast. And I think that's been fantastic. And like you said at the top, we'll talk about, we talk heavily sports, but we also will talk about what's going on in the world politically. We won't shy from that pop culture, hip hop, our, our the meat of our podcast is sports and hip hop. Um, but I love doing it, man. It's a great time. It's a fun time. Jamoke is going to be a guest on there soon. We'll have him <laughs> on because we are supposed to have that done a while ago. But no, man, it's, it's, it's been fun. Like finding a guest, it's a lot of work that I think, as you know, people don't realize producing it yourself, reaching yeah. out to guests, finding that stuff. But it's fun. You know, I just, I look at it as fun. It's a way I can just let out thoughts and, and talk to people and learn more from people. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, man, it's fun. And as far as backpack goes, um, the, the next evolution where we've done is, you know, I've done a web series called The Sports Walk, which is good if anybody has a chance to check that out. That's good. Try When, when COVID is over and we start that series, got to get Jamoke on that too. <laughs> just walk around with sports fans and talk to them about what they think about something going on in the world of sports. And Sideline Stories, which is like the real thing I try to work on a lot now, which is just like a long form sports journalism show. And there's some really, I have some really good stories coming up uh in the next couple of weeks around that that i think people will like that talks about things going on during this time and certain things with activism through black athletes so i think those two things i'm excited from but none of that would not have been possible that people should know <laughs> without jamoke really putting the idea the battery in my back motivating me to um create my own opportunity which jamoke has always been about and and i try to motivate other young black and brown journalists to do the same because yeah. A lot of times we've had to create our own opportunity and I wouldn't be here today without the guidance of Jamoke or creating my own opportunity. So 
it's invaluable, man. I, publicly, you know, I thank you a million yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. I say this every time I see you, but publicly, again, I will say thank you because you mean so much to me and what you've done for me in my career. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm very proud of you. And, you know, we know we have colleagues that are also out there that it's yep. like, we started at Panther Sports Network, University of Pittsburgh, and, and that was kind of like the, the launch for a lot of us. Um, so thank you for the kind words. But you I know, wish I'll, you know what I wish, Jamil okay? yeah, After yeah. watching the last dance, I wish we had somebody documenting those days more because those oh, are some yeah. interesting times uh, <laughs> doing that. <laughs> I still remember to this day we did a show. You remember we did Bleacher Bones, and yep. I'll never forget. I didn't realize how big we were, and not that we were really big, but we were going to do a show on the road, pit at Notre Dame, and we were at a rest stop. And it's probably 2 a.m. in the morning. We're tired. We're just trying to make sure we get there on time for Saturday. And sure enough, we're in the rest stop and some, some kids start yelling, Bleacher Bums are here. What's up, guys? We're like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> uh, so I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, those are fun times. Fun, fun times. times, man. What responsibility when you do storytelling is it important to – is it important to tell the whole story as journalism used to be when you think of ethics or is it important or is it now a thing where you're telling your story or a, um, a specific angle? And I say that for two reasons. One, you know, talking about Drew Brees, I'd ask for everyone to not just watch the one minute clip as uh, a colleague of mine mentioned, but watch the four minute clip and you may get a different story, a different impression of what you think of Drew Brees, especially because this come off the heels of him giving $5 million to help with the COVID pandemic. But just in general, where do you think it has shifted for media uh, outlets and journalists to tell the complete story with objectivity versus giving your opinion? Yeah, I think, sadly, I think looking at the industry as a whole, I think it's become way too much about people inserting themselves in the story, which as, as an on-air talent, I, I try to, you, you want to be in the story, but you don't want the story to be about you. And I try to be as objective as possible and stay out of it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to tell stories that, you know, especially when I do sideline stories and stuff, there's going to be things that I think affect, might affect the Black community as some stories I'm working on but I can't insert my feelings into it. I'm gonna let the people in the story tell that story, sort of guide it, and try to give you the most objective way possible. I think a good example for me of this was, and I remember watching a lot of people's reaction to this. A couple of years ago, I went to a Colin Kaepernick rally in New York, and I did a story on this. And a lot of people, when they watched the story, came and said to me, hey, I was glad you went to the counter protesters who were across the street and talked to them. And well, I said, they're there too. So they're a part of the story. And I had to talk to them. Now, personally, do I support their message really? No, and that doesn't matter for the sake of the story. But because they were there and they were counter-protesting, it was fair to document it and talk to those people about why they were counter-protesting. And I did that. And I think that's how I try to approach every story, which is show the other side and, and, and not just attack from one side. But I think, to your point, Jamoke, in this age that we're in, especially of social media, people know that that one minute clip can change everything, yeah. right? And sometimes you're going to get something that somebody says that's sensational. I understand why Yahoo cut that finance. part of the Yahoo finance. finance, right. Like <laughs> which, made you also, which makes you also think about, it is interesting that it was Yahoo Finance and Yahoo Finance asked him that question, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's something to question about that. Like, why did Yahoo Finance ask him this very because only story. one out of ten people would ever say I was watching Yahoo Finance, but after that story, nine out of ten people said, "Oh, did you see Yahoo Finance?" That's right. why. And and it makes you think about that. And maybe they knew his views on that and the flag or something before, and they decided to ask that question, and they might have played into that. Um, you know, and like I said I I don't know Drew Brees personally, but I think he needed some education on some things and and has some ways to go. Does that make him a horrible person? No, I don't think so. Um, but I think there should be room, and this is the reason why I love long-form journalism, Jim, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it gives you the space to actually truly tell stories. Some of my frustrations sometimes, even what I can do is, hey, you only have a minute 30. Mm -hmm. You have two minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's really tough to tell a complete um, and balanced story. You know, I was struggling today with something and trying to 
tell the most balanced story that I can in the time frame that I have. That's what I always try to do. And I think with that mindset is what I think, you know, you call it old school journalism and that makes it sound old, but I do think that that's how it should be. And I do think that you have to try to tell the best story possible, at least within the constructs of what you have. Um, and if you don't do that, I think it's a disservice to your viewers, your readers, you, you, you know, you want to tell the most complete story possible. Mm-hmm. All right, you're a Brooklyn, New York native. Yep, yep. Uh, what is your take on the uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, in terms of their chances of making any noise this year? Because yeah. with this pandemic, I, I, look, I purposely, I purposely didn't want to, like, think about, oh, they have a chance at getting to the championship. But, I mean, KD's probably closer to coming back than he, but he was. Says, at, but he says he's not. He's not. Said he but he could, back. probably. Probably. Maybe he had that same issue last, uh, two years ago, or was that last year? Excuse me, last year in the playoffs with Golden State. Uh, how excited are you? So let's forget this year mm-hmm. for next year of having KD and Kyrie. And then there's even been talk of trading for Bradley Beal uh, to, to come back. I mean, I don't know if you've had this kind of excitement since – Kevin Durant and Paul Pierce were down in Brooklyn at the start of the the Brooklyn moving from New Jersey. Jersey, yeah. I mean, I think the Nets fan base here is, they were super excited, of course, in summer. Um, With Kyrie getting injured this year, and they just, you know, let go of their coach before this whole COVID thing came out. I think depending on who they get in as a coach to come in here to Brooklyn, because I don't think it's going to be Jock Vaughn from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Who they get to come in as a coach, a healthy Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant's doing the right thing, not trying to come back and play this season. As someone yeah. who's torn their Achilles, I think he's absolutely doing the right thing. Kyrie resting his shoulder, getting healthy. Um, the key question is, will they, as you said, trade for a Bradley Beal? Will they trade for a third star? Do they believe in their young guys that are on the bench, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen? But look, in Brooklyn, they're excited. Now, there's going to be more excitement. This year, before COVID, the attendance of Barclays Center was not good. Okay, even with just Kyrie, people weren't coming out. You know, they still couldn't sell out the building. I think that changes when you get Kevin Durant on the floor. They will sell out. People will want to come and see them. You will not have seen this much excitement since 2013 when they started coming to play to Brooklyn. And even that team, this would be more of a team that I think, depending on what other moves they make, that they believe they can actually win. Mm-hmm. The Nets fans here, the real Nets fans. And, and the real Nets fans. The real Nets fans. And I really say that with a lot of the fans that came over from Jersey because it's still so young for Brooklyn. They haven't even been here for 10 years, yeah, right? Yeah. And you got a kid like me who grew up in Brooklyn who's a Knicks fan. There was no Nets. So, <laughs> you know, I still root for the blue and orange. And when I, when, when I used to cover Nets daily, the fans would still be, they'd be mad at me. Like, How do you still root for the Knicks? Come over to the Nets. It's not, I mean, it might happen because James Dolan was doing all crazy, kinds of crazy stuff. But it's a lot of excitement and can they be a championship contender? Things change so quickly in the NBA as we know, Jim, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have two top players next year, no matter how you feel about Kyrie. If Kevin Durant is 85% of himself, and I think this rest and just training is going to do him good, mm-hmm. they're still dangerous. He's a matchup nightmare. And if they just have the right coaching and the right pieces around him, yeah, they can be dangerous. And I know that's going to, a lot of Knicks fans, they got some Knicks fans that hate on the Nets and then the Nets fans that hate on the Knicks. I don't. They don't, they don't want to see that and see them, you know, be the number one team, but they're primed to do it. It's just yeah. about the pieces and how well they mesh together. So there's still a lot of questions, but I think it could be dangerous, man, next year. It could as be they, real dangerous. As they talk about legalizing sports and, you know, you can bet on every, every team and not just have to go to Vegas to do it. You putting your money on nets, on the nets to be in the NBA finals? Ooh, like in next year? Yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. No? I, wouldn't put, I wouldn't put my money on that. I'm not that. Just because, like, if you told me to take that bet right now, nah, there's just too many. The odds you could get. Okay, so you're looking at all. Yeah, okay. If you want to say, like, what I, what I'm just putting. But also I just, believe it. I guess, yeah, you have to believe it, uh, not just yeah, the odds. I, I, if you're looking at, if, okay, if you're telling me would I put money down because I think it could be a great return? Yes. They're a good team I think you should bet on and maybe get in early and put some money down. That is a smart bet. If you're going to bet your life or your house on it, like, nah. I'm, I, <laughs> no, no. No. And it's not that I'm – it's just there's too many variables about will they get the third star, who's coaching them. But if you want to put a bet right now, they're a great team where you can get a nice return. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you make that bet, they're a great value bet. Oh, undoubtedly, they're probably the best value bet. That's because what roster? It. What roster? What team is better than a team with Kyrie and KD? And assuming because if they're smart, they got to get a third star in order to compete in the, in the East. I mean, you got Milwaukee with Giannis, Toronto, who seem to not have lost a step, even though they got rid of or Kawhi went to the Clippers. I mean, those are like the, the, the top two teams. In, Boston's in the got Boston's Boston. got good young talent. Miami looks like good they have good young, young talent. talent. But the, what those two teams don't have is the bona fide stars. And you have a superstar in KD and Kyrie. If you add a third star, like a Bradley Beal, who I think is actually a really good fit for them. Or if you decide to just go with the two and go with your young guys, if you believe in Karis LeVert and Jared Allen and Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. Right, who's, yeah. a, who's a good role player. If you believe in those guys and the chemistry you have, the Nets don't have to rush. They could play this out and see how they have, but the thing is they have flexibility. That's a fantastic thing. They have they have flexibility. They have yeah. picks they can trade ahead and they have young players that aren't making too much money. That's what makes them a good bet in such an interesting team. Let's say the season starts at Christmas, Jamoke. Okay? The Nets team you have in December might not be the Nets team you have in June or July. And there's yeah. so much they can do, and that's what makes them such an attractive bet. And I'm not sure there's any other roster in the league, maybe with the exception of like Denver in the West that has a lot of flexibility that I might say is a good bet. And I, I probably would actually feel better about the Nets than I do Denver making the yeah. finals. Yeah. All right. Dexter, thank you for coming on the pod. Man, glad to finally have finally. been here and done it, man. It, it finally, <laughs> it finally happened, man. It, it's just good to, anytime you can help Pitt family out. Yeah. Always good, man. And Always and good. when 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 this COVID thing is over, I'm coming to New York. Yes. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen you up here in a few months. And I got to get back out to Pittsburgh because I've been yeah. there like twice in the yeah. last year. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll be good to see you out there. Maybe we can go to the homecoming football game, maybe a basketball game at the Pete, something like that. Basketball game at the Pete will be nice. Haven't been, yeah. haven't been to one of those in a while. Yo, he, do you remember? Do you remember like with Carmelo? His yes. one and only game at the yes, peak. Yes, I was there. That place was so that. electric. That was a great game. I remember that. I'll never oh, forget that. There's yeah. a lot of games I'll never forget at the peak. Yeah. That's one. I'll never yeah. forget that game. That game yeah. was so so electric. Good times, man. Yeah. All Good right, times. Thanks, Appreciate it. Thank Congrats you, man. Congrats on um, Backpack Raw's broadcasting. We'll pop some champagne in November. You will. Thank you, man. All right. Take care. All right, bro. All right, I want to thank Dexter Henry for coming on the show with me. I really appreciate it. Just for sport. Uh, it was so much better by having him on. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening or watching on our Props Network YouTube page. We have more content for you, so please subscribe. And if you're listening audio only to the podcast, please subscribe. Leave a review. You can listen to the podcast on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, and more. Uh, okay, folks. Ciao for now.